Skip over 57? No, we did 57, didn't we? Who was that? We had the LT episode, and then I don't think we had one after that, did we? Did we not have 50? Is this 57? Yeah. Uh-oh. Let's go with Ron Darling. Who? I don't know. Let's see. Okay. I thought this was 58. Had something to, 58. You've had something to drink. Oh, it's possible. Let's okay. See. Hold on. We're on it. All right. Hold on. So, I got one for you. It's yeah. more than a year. All right. Hold on. Do you think maybe our fans should know that we're hammered on a Saturday afternoon watching college basketball games? <laughs> All right, so let's see. Can they hear the clink of the glasses? <laughs> what do we got? We've got this picture for the New York Mets. Was he a, was he a 57? I feel like he was. Uh, it's pretty slim pickings for, uh, for 57, actually. So let's go with... Let's see. This is not good. It's got to be a good linebacker for the Steelers. Or the Oof. Began his career with the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in 2002. Won a World Series in his first season. A four-time All-Star. AL Saves Champion. Three times Relief Man of the Year. No, two times. It was uh, AL Saves Champion three times and the Relief Man of the Year two times. And he has the MLB record for most saves in a season, which he got in 2008. Mario Rivera. No. And I don't think Trevor Hoffman has it. And he no. wasn't on the Angels. Well, just in one season, though. So. Oh, how about uh, John Wetland? No, but that's a good guess. Who is it? Francisco Rodriguez. Oh, K Rod. Oh. Yeah. Wow. K Rod was 57. Yeah. Wow. So that's a, that's a, there you go. Um, so that's your 57. Okay. This will be a bang up episode. <laughs> uh, all right. So here we are. Uh, this is a live episode. We're, we're, uh, we're all together minus milk. Usual becoming a habit. Yeah, milk. Milk. Come on, milk. Come on, milk. Man, hate mail to bring him back. Man up, milk. We're also using some new technology, so Lord only knows how this is going to come out. Uh, so bear with us, and and uh, we'll see how it goes. But let's get right into it. It's the first weekend of March Madness. Yeah, baby. Lots to talk about. Um, Pope. Can we get your pulse, please? <laughs> oh, my. oh my God! About less than an hour removed oh, from geez. North Carolina, causing our good friend the Pope here, coronary. Yeah, we've been in the ER twice today. We, yeah, we, we twice went to the ER, had an ambulance show up once, <laughs> and, um, and Rooster told me to shush. Deservedly so. Yeah. He was scaring children outside of the house. Right. Well, they shouldn't be around here when I'm watching Carolina games. Clearly. So, you boy, take us through. Uh, what's what's your feeling? You're, you got the East for us. Where are we? Wow. Uh, that's all I got to say is just unbelievable March Madness game. You know, so many ways to break it down. I'm not going to even start. Carolina had a 25-point lead with 10 minutes left, and one of their the hottest player on the court got ejected. Um, and it all went south from there. Somehow, some way, they scrapped together in overtime. Right, rightfully so ejected, by the way. So I, you know, I 
vicious I'm elbow. Not, to not the eye. I'm not sure that that called for an ejection. The game was chippy. It's kind of like uh, if, if if the game hadn't been chippy and he had leveled someone, okay, I get it. But, you know, the guy has been baiting him, Sokheim or whatever his name is, has been baiting him all game. Um, but, you know, look, Baylor, championship medal, they showed it. They came back. They took him to overtime. I'm telling you, if you looked at Scott Drew when they went to overtime, he thought the game was over. He's jumping up and down celebrating. And I think Baylor thought the game was over, except they had to play five more minutes. and. Carolina just, you know, they somehow they got through uh, the freshman Dontrez Styles, who hadn't played hardly any this year, hits a huge three. RJ at 30. Um, somehow they're going to Philly, guys. I, I did not have it in my brackets. Uh, I had Baylor going, you know, quite a ways. Um, I'm ecstatic. I called my wife, who went to Carolina and is a big listener. And so I she, asked her. So she's an actual legit. She actually she went to Carolina. She has stripes. Yeah, she has stripes. I did live in Chapel Hill during the Jordan years, but uh, anyway, I digress. So, you know, we usually watch these games together. So I said, you know, where, how did it go? And she's like, I was up and down yelling and screaming. And I'm like, what about the dogs? Because we have two golden retrievers, and they're usually right there. So you're not worried about the little children outside the window. <laughs> the dogs, the dogs. Are concerned about. How are the dogs? So the dogs, she goes, well – you know, I started jumping up and yelling, and I looked around, and the dogs were gone. Uh, Carmichael, our oldest, had gone to the living room, and Keenan, our youngest, had gone to our bedroom, was laying on the bed. And so they didn't even want to be around her. And then in overtime, they both went to the dining room, and they weren't around her. So, you know, Carolina fans are passionate. We take March seriously. We've been to the Sweet 16, you know, 30 times. Um, I don't have any illusion that we're going to the Final Four, but – Looking at the bracket, though, in the East, Kentucky, what a game that was. Wow. I mean, Cal thought he was going to the Final Four this year, and St. Peter's, just a a masterful coaching job, and knocked off Kentucky. So, Kentucky, that bracket is wide open now. UCLA presumably beats St. Mary's and goes on to play Carolina, but no guarantee. St. Mary's is tough. They beat Gonzaga this year, and, you know, Purdue, probably, who you're looking at in the bottom part of the East bracket. No guarantees, though. Texas, streaky team. They could beat them. Um, So it's wide open in Philly, and I'm not surprised if Carolina goes to the Final Four. I'm not expecting it. Let me me say this about the East. I think the biggest story out of the East is how literally it will affect recruiting. If you're a kid considering, do I go to – Kentucky, do I go to North Carolina? I, I don't know. That is a deflating yeah. Yeah. TV game to watch them lose to St. Peter's and to see a young coach in Hubert Davis take this group of, I don't know what they were for most of the season, and find their edge against Duke. And, and then, then and then give all the credit to the players after the game. Yeah. Hubert Davis, as opposed yeah. to Calipari, yeah. who had the most experienced roster he's had the whole time he's ever been at Kentucky. And start and bash them basically for missing shots, which is true. They're a bad shooting team, but you know he's he's he doesn't have half the classes. Hubert. I'm I'm real happy for Hubert Davis. He's he's one of the good ones. So I think there's already been a recruiting championship won already in the East. But I think the other game in the East, everyone predicted uh, would be one of the highlight games, and I think it was that Murray State game against San Francisco. That 7-10 matchup was a great, great game that went into overtime. Mm-hmm. And you've got a very, very uh, athletic team in Murray State that now gets to take on St. Peter's. 
And who knows? I mean, it's not like Texas and Purdue are world beaters. No. Murray State could make some noise at the bottom of that bracket and be one of the darlings of this tournament. Sure, absolutely. I think, I think the, the game tonight might be the most important game in that in that bracket, and that's the UCLA uh, St. Mary's game. It's be a great game. Uh, that's that's going to be a fun game, I think, and uh, could be the, the most important. When we look back at the East, this might be the, the biggest game in the bracket. But, you know, the top two are down, so it's wide open. All right. So, uh, still some to, some more to, to happen, I guess, in the East. But uh, we'll, we'll be watching those games tonight. Um, House, let's uh, let's go to the South. It's a lot more boring in the South. Uh, although I think we're seeing some teams there say, "I dare you." Arizona, Villanova, Tennessee, Houston, all put on clinics. These are all teams that no one wants to play in the Final Four. Uh, Houston has incredible defense. Arizona has incredible uh, offense. Villanova has just the classic college guard in Colin Gillespie who controls an entire game. And Tennessee, I think, just feels overlooked and is playing with a little bit of a edge. Um, the minor upsets, I thought Michigan played a nice game against Colorado State with their win, TCO with the, TCU with the mini upset against Seton Hall. I said on our pod last week, that I thought the, the Big East was overrated. Right now, amongst the, the the Big Five conferences, they're the worst record. They're three and three. Um, they'll need Villanova and Providence to advance to really make any noise for the Big East this year. I just don't think they really brought it. But, um, but as we're as we're sitting here recording, though, Creighton taking tough with with yes, Kansas. They are. Kansas. So, they are. So, so, let's not you know let's not. You know, right off the big East, yeah. Villanova can beat Ohio State. I think Villanova can beat Ohio State. Oh, well, sure. Um, That's another team with a chip on its shoulder. Uh, Last year, you'll remember that E.J. Liddell missed a bad free throw uh, against Oral Roberts in a, you know, team that shocked the world. And he was getting all kinds of hate mail. We even, um, I think, had a punchable face of, of the fans that were riding Ohio State and EJ Liddell, but they're playing with the chip on their shoulder too. I think that's going to be a good game. But right now, I think unlike the East, the South is going to have the blue blood teams come through it. Shock. Yeah. Uh, drink. Drink. <laughs> drink. <laughs> oh boy. Interesting, um interesting team in, in the South though. Uh Michigan. Yeah. You know, getting that win, uh, went through a lot at the end of the season. Uh, with their coach, with Juwan Howard, um, who lost his mind in the handshake line, of course. Um, I think Colorado State was sort of a trendy team, and Michigan Michigan took it to them and, and won that game. And, and be very curious to see what they do the rest of the way. Hunter Dickinson's a kid who could take over a game with his size. If you get it underneath Hunter Dickinson, who knows what Michigan could do. They It's going to be about whether teams can defend him. I agree. I'm loving the Michigan-Tennessee matchup. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a racetrack up and down. Rooster, let's do the Midwest. What do you got for us? The Midwest uh, is stacked at the top with Kansas, um, number one team out of the the, uh, Big 12, Big 12 champ. Auburn, which was ranked number one for a good part of the season. And Wisconsin, which is the co-Big 10 champ. And as predicted, those three teams moved on. Um, but the big story out of the Midwest is the University of Richmond Spiders, baby. Just wow. Yeah. Wow. Hometown. 12th ranked Spiders. 
took the, I mean, the 12 seeded Spiders took down the fifth seeded Iowa Hawkeyes behind 24 points from Jake and, Jacob Gilliard. They won 67 to 63 and just ran a pristine offense. There, it was like the Princeton offense, Chris. You were talking about it. I mean, it's just a fun offense to watch. It was. I mean, it was like this is what basketball is supposed to be, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's the the cutting and the passing and and just the discipline that that team showed. I mean, that that's like a clinic in how to learn and play basketball. Uh, and and that's what you get these these uh, seniors on a team. These guys yeah. have been together playing together three four years. Yeah. It's interesting to watch him against some of the younger teams. Yeah, By the way, cheers to Grant Golden, who is the guy who looked like a young Bill Walton on that team. He's, yeah, I think he's been on that team for 45 years. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, they also played outstanding defense. They held Iowa to um, 20% from three. So they played great perimeter defense and a, and a great movement offense. And so I don't think they're, I don't even think they're going to get past Providence, but what a great win it was. Good story. And and I, even though I was knocked out, but not, if I'm an NBA team and I watch that game, I am salivating over Keegan Murray yeah. uh, for Iowa. That guy is an absolute player. But for all of our fans who think that we're shit predictors, I just want to remind everybody that Dickie V had in his final this year, Iowa versus Kentucky. So oh. I, 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 know we, I know we beat Dickie V. Yeah, yeah shout out to Dickie V though. He's he's done great in his recovery from cancer, but uh, needs to work on his prognostication. A little yeah, bit. yeah. All right. So, anything else out of the uh, out of the Midwest? Well, we're the, you know by the end of this pod, we may know whether we got another upset. Number one's going down. Yeah. Halftime, they're only up by one. All right, let's go. Let's go. I'm going to give you a little bit on the West, um, which I got to tell you. I, it was probably the least interesting uh, games, and, and I think that that was what everybody sort of thought was that it was the, the road was paved for Gonzaga to come through it. Uh, Georgia State played Gonzaga tough for a half or so, and then that was really they just couldn't hang with them anymore. Um, other than that, though, you know, I guess what's really interesting to me about the West, and I think it it sort of proves the point that we talked about last time on the pod about why do we let some of these conferences get eight, seven, eight, nine teams in when some of these teams can just play with everybody. So you look at, like, you know, Georgia State did hang with Gonzaga. At the end of the it was just too much. But that's a 116. That's what you expect. Yeah. You know, Memphis, Boise State was close. New Mexico State uh, took down UConn, and, mm-hmm. and that was a surprise. I mean, I think – Not to me. UConn was playing pretty good. Now, it's the dreaded 5-12, and for some reason, the, that, that matchup always results in a couple 12s every year, it seems like. Teddy Allen. Oh, my. Yeah. Teddy Bucket. 37. Wow. 37. Wow. Just. So, that's fun. And you, have, you, know, you have Arkansas from the mighty, mighty SEC playing Vermont. And Vermont hangs with them. Vermont hangs with everybody in the first Yeah, that's right. They always do. um, Notre Dame, Alabama, okay, those are two big, big schools. Uh, Notre Dame pulls off the upset over Alabama. Only in basketball. Yeah. Um, And and, and (laughs) Michigan State, Davidson. You know, now now Davidson hit a three kind of, you know, with half a second left. It was close. It's a four-point game when they make it. So so it's a close game. You know, I I just want to – I don't know what you guys think. I mean, do you want to see – the you know the, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the AAC, the the ACC, the you know, or do you want to see some of these smaller teams getting in there and 
and playing. They're fun. They're fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the tournament without having, like, conference champions and, you know, at-large in the smaller conferences. Uh, You wouldn't have – you wouldn't have the Cinderella stories, you know. The, I, I, you wouldn't I, have the St. Peter's. I, I St. Said, Peter's, Coppin State, yeah. years ago. Listen, we started off the college football season uh, with half of us just <laughs> r- ranking all over the college football. This is what college sports is about: is March Madness, giving these mid majors, these teams that would never otherwise have a chance to any given time on the court. I'm rooting for these underdogs every single time. The St. Peter's story is just awesome. So, I mean, Kentucky's got a couple of first-round draft picks playing on that. For team. sure. I mean, and I, I think the relative – what's the spread between Calipari's salary and St. Peter's coach's salary? With $8.5 million to $550,000. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just amazing. Just yeah. amazing that they won that game. And it's not just that game. I mean, like we talked about Richmond, you know, yeah. winning. We talked about uh, well, New Mexico State. New you Mexico were talking State. about they haven't won a game in the tournament since 1993, right? And and then you got like we were saying, now you got St. Mary's little school playing mighty mighty UCLA, and uh, and that's going to be a Love fun it. game to watch. Love so. it. St. Peter's won that game with, with a with a big contribution from a guy who's not even old enough to grow a full mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, listen, I'll say this about the West: I don't get a chance to watch a lot of Gonzaga ba- basketball during the year. Mm-hmm. This guy Chet Holmgren is a flat-out freak. He's my favorite player. I saw all weekend long. He's like seven one, one hundred and forty pounds. Sean Bradley, two point <laughs> I mean, oh. Listen, don't fall in love with him. House, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to go around and ask everybody for their their uh, most interesting player they've seen, and that was who I was going to yeah. talk about. I mean, he he looks like a doofus on the court. Yeah. He's so tall and lanky. And then, I mean, we we've been talking about that one play he made right about mid court, yeah. where he reaches in, knocks the ball away from the from a guard, yeah. chases it down, gets to it first, puts it on the floor twice, and goes up and dumps the ball. I mean, he looked like the most athletic guy in the court. Yeah. Crazy athleticism. I, I've you know read some of the stories now that said he could go number one overall in the yeah. whole NBA oh, yeah. draft. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We were, we were laughing. Don't do it, Doug. Magic. Don't do it. St. Peter's, the guy with the tiny little fuzzy mustache. But <laughs> the, the same thing with this guy from Gonzaga. I mean, he looks like he's just hit puberty. Oh yeah, he I can't know. even put any weight on yet. I think this is the year they finally break through. I mean, any yes, I understand they were playing Georgia State, but anytime Drew Timmy gets the basketball underneath, he can yeah, score. He can score. And so they've got that size. I don't know what teams are going to take on Timmy and Holmgren. I think this is the year they finally well, cut it down. Well, I mean, the first seven foot one shooting guard. I think, if, <laughs> yeah, if Duke can survive tomorrow, and the Duke killer Tom Izzo could potentially put K out of. Into the pasture, but if Duke survives, they got to go through Texas Tech, who's playing really well. Unbelievable. But any of those three teams, well, uh, maybe not Michigan State, but Duke or Texas Tech will give Gonzaga a good game. I'm not saying they would beat them, but but you know Duke, um, when if they're playing well, they can match up with the Zags, no problem. Other other uh, intriguing players anybody saw? Well, I already mentioned him. I mean Teddy Teddy Allen from New Mexico State, Teddy yeah. Buckets, yeah. just. Shot after clutch shot. It was it was fascinating to watch. He's I, he's my guy. I, I hate to give any credit whatsoever to Pope. 
<laughs> but watching that game and a little guy like R.J. Davis take an entire team on his back, taking down a number one seed, he was impressive to watch today. Yep. Yep. Just a gamer. What, but what's the guy uh, we were talking about, the guy who transferred from Carolina to Auburn? Oh, uh, Walker Kessler. Yeah, that guy. I like watching him. Yeah, play. He's, he's a beast. He's pretty smooth out there. Big guy. I mean, he's a little more filled out than uh, Holmgren, but but uh, kind of just a big, tall guy. That was the guy that made Roy retire, kind of, right? Uh, he went to the transfer port- portal, and, yeah. you know, Roy, I'm not s- saying that's the guy, but it did hurt Roy. Um, and, you know, I think it was a lot of things going on when Roy retired, but he didn't want to continue to have the transfer portal issue. That, that was time for him to go. All right. Anything else on, on hoops? I mean, there's still so much more. We're, we're recording this, you know, we're not even through one game on, on the first uh, day of round two. Does everybody have their final four intact? No. Fuck no. I, I, didn't even <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I stay, I, I stay in this year. I have a bracket. Fortunately, fortunately, I have enough brackets that I have one final four, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Well, in, it's in, true. In our SMQB pool, I have the Zags, UCLA, KU, and Tennessee, so I'm still alive. I do want to congratulate. I'm uh, still alive in the IB pool. I've got uh, Arizona, Tennessee, Gonzaga, and Texas Tech. I know we really miss Milk, so I want to congratulate Milk on beating Iona in the NIT. Way to big go. Win. Oh, big, big win. Congratulations. Way to go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. March Madness. Love being here with you guys. It's awesome. Every year. All right. So, uh, listen, let's move on from hoops. Uh, and we got to talk a little NFL. Um, we got to do a little bit because there was just a bananas trade uh, that we have to talk about. So Deshaun Watson, who uh, sat out last year, didn't play, was the subject of, um, of, of some you know very egregious sexual assault allegations that were sort of winding their way through the criminal justice system. Uh, and I guess, I don't remember if we talked about it I, when we had our last pod that he had, they decided not to indict him. I think we covered that yep. in episode 56, since this is 57. As <laughs> um, and, and so since that time now, uh, the Cleveland Browns sent, here's, here's the, the trade is, is Watson and a 2000, a 2024 fifth round pick to the Browns for first round picks in 22, 23, and 24, as well as a 2023 third rounder and a 2024 fourth rounder. You get great players wow. there. Wow. Great and players. Then, and no quarter. And then, just to, to round it out, Cleveland signed Watson to a five-year, $230 million deal that is full, full, fully guaranteed. Oh. So that's the trade. And you know, mm. look, it, all in. It, it raises like all sorts of questions. All First in. of all, we got we got to wait and see. Um, is he going to be suspended by the NFL? Yes, at, for some amount of time. Yes, uh, and we don't know. We don't. We don't know. We certainly don't know how many games. And we talked a, a little bit about this, and it seems that the the consensus here is that it'll probably be in the vicinity of five or six games for for him for suspension. Brewster. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm with I'm with House. I think it should be five or six games, but you know, there are guys who have done all kinds. Of, why Why didn't Dalvin Cook have right. any suspension last year or next year? Right for 
beating up his girlfriend. I mean, it, it just seems like the rules are so arbitrarily enforced, especially when it comes to violence against women that, um, who knows? I mean, there's, I mean, God, you know, he, it's not like he kneeled during a halftime or anything. He's probably going to get off scot free. I don't think so. I think the best match that we've seen in recent history is the Ray Rice situation. And Ray Rice was, uh, Suspended, I think, six games. I'm guessing that Goodell's going to go around six games, which is an interesting, you know, story. Like, look, here, here's the situation. They're all – obviously, the Steelers don't have a quarterback, but the AFC North now has three quarterbacks that are all 26 years old or younger. So Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow are all babies, basically. But to give up three first-round picks, and you know he's going to be out for several games – like three first round picks means that guy has to get you to a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. This Otherwise, is, it's a failure. I mean, right? this is so you know Washington several years ago gave a very similar trade package. I, I didn't look it up. I should have been very close to to trade up to take RG three, right? And uh, and they traded with uh, it was then the St. Louis uh, Rams, I guess. I think they were still in St. Louis at the time. And, and a couple of years later. Jeff Fisher was the coach, and he rolled into D.C., and he sent out the, like, six players that they drafted as the captains in that game that they, they'd been able to take, like, three first-round picks and two seconds, and he sent those guys out to be the captains out Washington, and RG3 wasn't even playing anymore. So, I mean, you know, listen, if you don't get to a Super Bowl with this, I mean, you, you make this trade thinking that this guy is going to take you to the Super Bowl. That's the, that's the only reason you make a trade like this, and if, if he does – you won the trade. Right? I just, I just want to say that, you know, I don't want to really sweep under the rug the seriousness of these allegations. Yes, there's only civil suits remaining, but the fact that the NFL and Rooster pointed out last week, you know, the NFL is kind of complicit in some of this stuff with the way they cover over other things that happen from owners to players, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that the Browns, Gave him guaranteed two hundred fifty-three million, which is going to easily allow him to take care of those civil suits. If the Browns are going to do the right thing, they should also make a very public contribution to violence against women. It doesn't mean that they're condemning their new quarterback, but something else needs to be done here for the NFL and the Cleveland Browns to not make this look. Super, super ugly. Because otherwise, it's just a sweet under the rug. Play devil's advocate. Yeah, and yeah. I know I've I've taken the side of the the victims every time in this conversation, um, but there has to be a reason why the grand jury did not indict them. Uh, the, they had nine opportunities to do so, and they declined nine separate times. So the Browns must know something about that, and the league must know something about that. So who knows? You're right, I mean, like, we don't have all the facts, right? right. Certainly, right. right. And, that's and, true. And we're not here to do a legal podcast on this topic, but yeah. you know, the, the 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 joke is, you know, the, the line that lawyers use is, "You can indict a ham sandwich." It's not hard. The, the burdens to get an indictment are not particularly uh, um, difficult or challenging. So, you know, it does it does make you wonder. Okay, they couldn't even get an indictment on this guy. Right. Uh, now, now things move. You know, of course, like we were saying there will be civil suits where the burden is lower than to get a criminal conviction, but it's not lower to then to get an indictment. No. So, it, you know, from a legal standpoint, it seems that the evidence just wasn't 
wasn't there. Right. And, and let's not forget that the NFL, in the in the instances of of Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt, had video evidence. They yeah. had they had captured on video in the elevator. They, both Kareem Hunt were extremely violent. So, you know, in a situation where there where it's kind of iffy, who knows? They may they may yeah. come but a light on it. But a pure analysis, though, is I think we talked about it last night. The most similar trade, as far as number one picks given up, was the Herschel Walker trade. The last which created the Dallas the dynasty, Dallas dynasty of, of sure Aikman, did. Irvin, and Emmett. They used those picks yeah. to go get yeah. you know to move up and get Emmett, and and so um, is Deshaun Watson worth that that coin? I mean, that is that is you are mortgaging your future. And going all in, you know, like the Rams went all in, but these guys are going all in even more. Or how about, or how about and, when the Saints went all in? But, Ricky Williams, but it's just it's not at all. But it's, but it's so is Watson even a top five quarterback? Is well, he? I mean, where is he? Yeah, I mean, let's expand. I mean, you know, and, and no pun intended, but it's a legitimate arms race in the, in the AFC at this point yeah. with quarterbacks, right, Rooster? I mean, yeah. look, look at the AFC West as a starting point. The AFC West could be. We can look back at this year and next year and say the AFC West in its current iteration is the best division in the history of football. Wow. Whoa. 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 Saying a lot. Whoa. I mean, saying a lot. East, uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying they, they, they have four powerhouse teams right now. Um, and in the last week and a half, I guess because the Chiefs have gone to four consecutive uh, AFC championship games, the other three teams have stacked themselves. The um, the Broncos went out and got Russell Wilson to play quarterback. They haven't had a good quarterback since Peyton retired. They they maybe before they Peyton uh, got him a soup. They picked up edge rusher Gregory from the Cowboys yeah. and signed with him, and then didn't. Right. And the, my God, the Chargers have a stacked defense now. They they picked up Khalil Mack. And um, and and uh, J.C. Jackson, who arguably was the best cornerback in the league last year. You now. mean your Chargers? Yeah, yeah my your Chargers. Chargers. My, my team, the Chargers. Take, take ownership. And then, yeah. and then the best receiver the in the NFL is in the is in the West now, right? Devontae Adams just signed with the with the Raiders for Bitcoin, and they also picked up an edge rusher in uh, Chandler Jones. So. And, and at the same time, that all the Chiefs have done is pick up Juju. Juju. <laughs> Schuster, who, I mean, really, I think it's better. He's, he's kind of done. He's, he's not that great. Well, and the, and the Browns got Amari Cooper. Well, Browns got Amari Cooper, and they have top 10 receiver. fantastic and let's, pass rush. Let's I mean, not forget what Buffalo great. did. You know, I mean, it's obviously not the West, but, but Buffalo went out and got Von Miller. Von Miller. Yeah. I, think I mean, we're not talking about anything the NFC did. I, well, that's a yeah. couple points. I think we can set our dial to Sunday night, Monday night football for the AFC West, like for the entire season, yeah. because it's incredible. But uh, to your point about the NFC, what does it say about the NFC South that remember Deshaun Watson could choose his path? There were four teams at the end, Carolina, he rejected. Then it came down to the saints and the Falcons and the Browns. Now, Brady's not going to play forever. Maybe a year, maybe two years, but he's 26, Deshaun Watson. Why, when there's a clear path, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there forever. Why, when there's a clear path, didn't Deshaun Watson choose the NFC South? I don't get this with the arms race in the AFC. In in, in exchange for Cleveland, 
He's yeah, not exactly yeah. going uh, to a franchise with a history of getting it right. It's a total insult to the NFC South and also to the point that Pope made before about three first-round picks. I think we all need to keep an eye not just on Deshaun Watson, but how Houston uses those picks. Because yeah. if they use them smartly, they could totally rebuild and also a division that's not that right. world-beating. Yeah. Right. Well, let's go back to the AFC just for a second. Now, you've got all these fantastic quarterbacks, and you've got a couple of teams that are could be good, but so then I'm I'm referring to the Steelers and the Colts. What are they going to do with well, no quarterback? They got Trubisky. The <laughs> is one of them going to take? Trubisky's is one of them going to take answer. Baker no. Mayfield? Do the Colts and the Steelers I, take I, Baker? I, I, I don't. Might, might make use Baker Mayfield as a one year band. The Steelers are a really interesting question because probably more so than than any organization outside of New England. The Steelers are an organization of consistency, right? Not just, you know, they had Big Ben for, what, 82 years or something like that. and But they've had, like, four coaches in their entire existence right. as a franchise. Right. This is a team that doesn't bounce from, you know, leadership position to leadership position. And they're really at, at, a, at a super big crossroads for them. I mean, they have, they have Dwayne Haskins on that roster. They have Trubisky now. Uh, would they have uh, Mason Rudolph? Is he also on, on the yeah, roster? Yeah. None of these None guys of them. are taking you. Super no. no. Okay. So they that's a that's a really interesting franchise that that has not seen itself at a crossroads with with this kind of like uh, lack of clarity on who's right. going to be playing. And, right. and and while they have Deontay Jones and Chase Claypool, they just lost James Washington and Juju Cowboys. Smith. And Juju, so yeah. so they have no receivers. I don't know. They might. What was Tomlin's record? Like nine or ten years consecutive in the playoffs? Yeah. He might have wanted to retire this past yeah. year. They'd go out with Big Ben. Yeah. 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 So, And then the Colts. I mean, you're right. What are they going to do? So everybody's laughing about, about them, you know, giving up uh, Carson. But they don't really have anybody. I mean, I'm not sure what the better answer is. And, the, and the, also, can the Titans compete in the AFC with Tannehill as their quarterback? I don't think so. So the well, fact that we are talking so much about the AFC indicates the NFC is there for the taking on a team that steps up like the Rams did. Yeah. You know, the AFC it's just murderous. In the meantime, it's just as telling that we're sitting here with uh March Madness over our shoulders uh going on right now and we're talking about the NFL because it's the number the one NFL sport. Well live update, Kansas forty three, Creighton forty one, wow. with eighteen Minutes to go in the game. Go, Craig Kelly. Let's Can we go get a little Craig, tight? Go, Craigie. Let's go. Okay. All right. So let's move away from uh, from the big time uh, sports that we all know and love all the time, and something that's become sort of a, a fan favorite of the SMQBs. Uh, it is lights out for the Formula One season. House. We got some big stuff to talk about. We got a new world champion defending for the first time in, in eight years, uh, and uh, and we got new cars, new rules. What do we got? Hey, it's uh, a big fan favorite of the SMQBs, but it's growing, growing in the United States and beyond, thanks to Netflix and Drive to Survive. But it is lights out tomorrow. We are so psyched for the F1 to hit Bahrain. And indeed, Max Verstappen will be defending his driver's championship, and but Mercedes is defending their team or constructor championship because it was split last year at that very controversial Abu Dhabi race Breaking news this morning was that indeed Michael Massey committed human error with the way he managed that last lap, and that even though 
F1 cover to say, let's not change the outcome of the race. I think it's acknowledged that it was given to Verstappen. So he's now going to have a chip on his shoulder to say, I want to win it fair and square. Well, he's an asterisk. Right? And what was the human error? The human error was that he, he made the call a lap too late. Uh, there were other uh, calls that he made along that that allowed Verstappen to catch up. He allowed all those cars to unlap. Exactly. So that's behind us. Tomorrow we have a new start. And so you would think Verstappen is going to be on the pole as we get started. Not so fast, my friends. Well, it must be Mercedes, right? Must be Mercedes. Must be Mercedes. Not so fast, my friends. We do have major, major changes. What they're talking about this year is a revolution in aerodynamics. When you start getting into F1, one of the things that you hear about a lot on these telecasts is this whole issue of dirty air. And dirty air is all the kind of dust and rocks and other stuff that you can barely see, but it really affects the drivers that are driving behind the folks in front of them and makes it difficult for them to catch up and pass them. So one of the things that they wanted to do was change the aerodynamics of these cars to create more chances at passing um, they changed the, um, they changed the design to make it cleaner, to create what's called greater downforce. So you all know when you take a turn tight in your own car, when you, you need to have that certain pull as you come out of a turn to be able to take it fast. That's the concept of downforce in these F1 cars and downforce allows for greater chances at passing. So all this revolution aerodynamics was done with the idea that you could get greater downforce in these cars. That is giving an advantage to some teams so far and disadvantage to others who haven't quite figured it out. Interestingly, to try to create more parity in the sport, they actually reduced the salary cap. So as we hear about it in other sports going up and up and up, this year to try to bring the teams more even, instead of having $145 million in your budget, you have $140 million, which allows some of the mid-teams like McLaren and Ferrari and Alpine to catch up to Mercedes and Red Bull. And what we're seeing so far is the catch-up is already there on week one because Ferrari has taken the pole with Charles Leclerc. Uh, Verstappen will be second at Bahrain, but right behind that is Carlos Sainz in third. So we're already seeing a big push from Ferrari. Um Also, a big rule change for this year to look for is the tires. The tires have gone from 13 inches to 18 inches to reduce the overheating. If you watched any F1 last year and saw these guys when they finished, the the tires were incredibly blistered and couldn't stand the heat of these tracks. So they try to improve that. But here's also something interesting, which you guys may not know, which I didn't really know until recently, is that they're giving the drivers, all the drivers, the choice of tire at the start of the race. So it used to be that you were locked in with what you did after qualifying, and then you had to wait for a change. Um, Now every driver can start on whatever tire they want. So, again, it's going to create really good for competition. Um, So all all during last season, we kept hearing that Ferrari was kind of giving up on its 2001 season car. 2021. Yeah, 2021 car, and and the car looking like it looked like a 2000. Yeah, it was clearly underperforming, and they were getting a head start on this season with the new car. Is 
Do you feel like they, they are ahead of the curve and the others are trying to catch up? I think that's what we're seeing. I think Ferrari was smart to just mail it in, get a head start. There's Keep an eye on this design change. Now, look, overall, the FIA, who's the regulatory body for F1, basically gave these teams a strict blueprint to design their cars. But Mercedes put in something called side pods, which I don't know they've fully figured out yet. But this is their revolution in aerodynamics. So I think Mercedes is kind of a few months behind where Ferrari was. And it's going to be very interesting on the Constructor Championship. Also keep an eye on a couple of changes on drivers. Mercedes last year went with the perennial favorites, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Now Bottas lost his seat to George Russell, who moves up from Williams. And Bottas gives some street cred to the Alfa Romeo team. So Botas and a new uh, driver named Zhao, who moved up from F2, is driving for Alfa Romeo. The F2 champion, right? Last F2 champion. Yeah. Um, Alex Albon joins Williams along with Nicholas Latifi. Uh, Kevin Magnussen replaces the oligarch's son, uh, Mazepin. Nikita Mazepin has lost his seat in F1, and all of a sudden... Um, Haas is looking like they That's they, amazing. they, they ran they ran pretty quick this weekend, and Magnussen made it into the top ten. I think we're going to see more parity, more overtaking, a lot of excitement this year. I really encourage our fans turn it on, watch a race. It's, it's great be because you know we we the knock on it has sort of been on F one has been well, you know, it's going to be Mercedes or uh, Red Bull because the cars are so much better than everybody else's. You know, I think this is going to be a year where. You're going to actually get to see the drivers. You're going to get to see who's – not to, not to suggest that, that Verstappen and, and Lewis Hamilton aren't at the top of their game. I mean, they are. Uh, you don't win seven world champions in a, championships in a row if you're not, if you're not fantastic. But uh, it seems like these changes, and the rule changes and the design changes, we're going to see some other guys and see how they can really drive. It's going to be fun. It'll be fun, yeah. yeah. Starts lights out tomorrow, House. What time? 11 a.m. Eastern, lights out. This podcast will be up, so check it out. Turn on the Bahrain. It, here, it's 11 a.m. Eastern, but the uh, the race is live nighttime over there. And watching these newly designed cars oh, yeah. under the oh, lights, they so are cool. beautiful, beautiful machines. Oh, check God. it out. All right, so you know we mentioned uh, Nikita Mazepin, who lost his, his seat because of the conflict, the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. Um but there's a really serious sports story that, that we do want to cover, and it doesn't seem like it's getting covered enough, and it's it's related to Russia. Uh, Rooster, you want to talk to us a little bit about Brittany Griner? Yeah, yeah this, is, this story has really bothered me for a month now, but before I get to it, that little alert sound you heard was an announcement that the Rams just extended Matthew Stafford another four years for another $160 million. Wow. Breaking news. They're looking for flexibility wow. so they can – Let's not forget they picked up Allen Robinson this week too. The yeah. rich get richer. Now they lost Von Miller. Wow. Yeah. 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 So Brittany Griner. <laughs> <laughs> For people who don't know who Brittany Griner is, she played college hoops at Baylor. Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And was the only player in NCAA women's history to score 2,000 points and have 500 blocks. Wow. She once dunked twice in the same game in, in college. She's a two-time Olympic gold medal winner. She's been playing for the Phoenix Mercury since 2013 and is a seven-time 
WNBA All-Star. She's 6'9 and has a 17-inch foot. She is a stud. She is the best women's basketball player uh, out there right now, now that Diana Taurasi and others have kind of gotten old. Um, and she and Taurasi in the offseason have been playing for a Russian team. Um, she's also played for a Chinese team in one off. She's season. done that for seven years. Yeah, because the, the WNBA doesn't pay them squat. I think they're capped at like 225 uh, per player. Um, so like the superstars are making $225,000. So anyway, she's over in Russia playing and she's leaving. She's in the Moscow airport to come home and the drug sniffing dogs single her out. And she's detained, and they find that she's got, um, they say this. They say this. I don't believe yeah. a goddamn thing right. yeah. out of Russia. They say that they've uh, discovered um, cannabis oil cartridges, you know, that people use in a vape pen. I, I've never seen a vape pen, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. So, so she's detained on February 17th. And pre-war, they just extended the the detention to May nineteenth. And Tim Kaine, Senator Kaine from Virginia, came out today and said, "Look, they're clearly holding her hostage as a bargaining chip now that this war is going on, and we have all these sanctions on Russia." The thing, though, that has been bothering me, and I think that's probably true. I think she's in a really bad spot. The thing that's been bothering me that I may rethink now that I hear this Tim Kaine angle is why in the hell are we not hearing about this on ESPN or Fox Sports or any of these other major media outlets? I mean, imagine if it was just, just let's just say it was a relative unknown male athlete, a guy like maybe Mac Jones, quarterback right. of the Patriots. Yeah. This would be the, a breaking story every night on CNN, right. ESPN. Day 29. Mac yeah, Jones. Yeah, 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 yeah. But apples to apples, it would be like Steph Curry, KD, or LeBron. Right. right. I'm, yeah. I'm saying, let's say it's a I mean, and then no. it's a national crisis. Yeah. yeah. Like, save LeBron. You take I a mean, superstar and put like KD yeah. and put him in that he's situation. Got, he's got kids putting ribbons around trees. So, why to do save you think LeBron, that is? What's, LeBron what's, to come what home? is the reason? Now, I, I, I've now thought of a, a legitimate reason. But what's the first reason that pops into your head? She's black and lesbian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I think, in, in all fairness, there, they, what may be going on is the State Department may be saying, to the WNBA and the um, the media, look, this is a really sensitive situation, and for her own safety, we need to keep this low profile so that we have a little room to negotiate. I hope that's the reason, because otherwise, this is bullshit. Well, I'll tell you, the State no Department did not call the SMQBs and tell us. Yeah. So, yeah. No, right? So we could problem, be in trouble. This makes it unlike. This could makes it unlike. We might be we might be arrested before the pod's over. So it's been fun. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying about the sensitivity of it with the State Department. But right now, we don't have a lot of angles to get international outrage and to safely bring the West against Russia. You know, we've been doing economic sanctions. We're seizing yachts. We're doing all kinds of lip service type things. But this is the kind of thing that we could really make some noise about and say, this is an innocent bystander to all of this. It's not a Ukrainian. It's not, you know, this is a professional basketball player playing for one of your teams. Let her out of there. Otherwise, the West has reason to get involved. I think it's a chip that I'm surprised that we're not playing more with. And you're right. It must, I hope, 
it must be the State Department literally coming to these outlets saying, please don't say anything, because otherwise it's an outrage that they're not. It's right. It's when, an outrage. When I, was, when I was in college, my father took me aside one time and said, look, I don't want you going down to some country with an authoritarian dictator ahead of the country and run in your mouth and get yourself thrown in jail because we can't get you out. So, so don't, don't let me, because I was involved. So in other so, words, because he was basically saying, just don't go, because you were going to run your mouth. Right, right. Yeah, right. right. You're a rooster. So, what the so, hell? Yeah. So I think, the, I think athletes in the West need to take, the takeaway from this is, I, look, especially the WNBA, I know you need to make some other income because you're not making enough in the WNBA. But don't go to China and don't go to, you know, Russia and play in their leagues because the, the team, the Russian team she played for, they haven't lifted a finger to protect her. They're, the, yeah. the league hasn't. Well, they're, they're not. They're afraid. They're yeah, I was about to say they're terrified. So yeah. you, you are, you are on your own. You're on an island when you go to these countries and in a heartbeat. The government can just snap you up and use you as a hostage in, in a negotiation. It's not worth. It's just not worth. Let's let's hope that by the time you know we get to episode uh, fifty-eight, which comes after fifty-seven, ah, yes. um, that that she's home. By by the way, uh, once in a while we get to cross promote to some of our other friends who do podcasts, and a shout out to uh, and everyone should listen to the thirty for thirty. Uh, called this, I think it's called The Spy Who Signed Me, which is a whole series on Diana Taurasi and Sue Berg going over to play in Russia because that's where the money was. This is not something new. It's not like Brittany Griner. No, this no, no. Right. So no. The Spy Who Signed Me is all about, you know, why someone like Brittany Griner is over there. Well, well like I say, Diana Taurasi played for the same team. She just got out before Griner did. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's let's hope that we have some good news to report next week uh, when we're recording. So, um, okay, let's see. Now it's time for uh, everyone's favorite segment, Punchable Face of the Week. Come on, I mean, man. Can we? Oh. Don't call it a comeback. So, this is kind of a... Uh, I think it's kind of a weird story. I thought this was a really straightforward, punchable face of the week, and I was getting ready to just uppercut the Atlanta Braves for how they tried to free Okay, I'm interested this, in the story. This story's gotten a little more interesting little uh, as I started uh, reading about it, and it's really there should be a lot of punches to go around on this, and and this this is really so Freddie Freeman. You know, longtime Braves hero, first baseman, uh, just phenomenal. Was he MVP last year of the MLB? No, that would be Bryce Harper. Oh, that was Bryce. Yeah. Last year. It was the year before. Uh, year before. Yeah. It was the year before. Yes. Anyway, he might have been a World Series. He was, yeah. I think, Seven, 20. Yeah, so, but, he, you know, listen, he's, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's played, I don't know how many years, at least 10 years, I think, with the Braves. He's, what, 33? Uh, something, you know, he's just... Superstar and everybody there loves him, and, and really he was looked at as like this was going to be the guy who had Chipper Jones' career after. Face the franchise, be the face, be there forever, retire, always live in Atlanta, and and, and be around. And in fact, really close with Chipper. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Braves weren't able; they weren't able to get a deal done with him, and they went out and they made a trade for. Uh, and now I'm forgetting the guy's name. Matt Olson from from Oakland. Oh, yeah. um, 
uh, and they traded for him, and they, and they signed him to a, to a big contract, another first baseman, which when the news came out, uh, you know, met the Freddie Freeman days in Atlanta were over. Now, Freddie Freeman is going to be just behind signing with the Evil Empire, Los Angeles Dodgers, for a lot Ooh, of money. Sorry, Arius. But the thing was, was that Freddie Freeman started talking and saying that, that the Braves, you know, that he was stunned, that he found out from his dad that they signed Olsen, that, that he had no mm. idea. He said they hadn't talked they to him, had talked to him like twice. twice. In the whole yeah, season. it really, it's unfortunate because... It now seems like what happened was that his agent and him played really played hardball with uh, with the the general manager for the Braves, Alex uh, Anthopoulos. I think I said that right. Oh, his agent wasn't the evil Scott Boris, was it? No, it wasn't. Excel, some company called Excel uh, Agency. I'm not really familiar with. But bottom line is now, after coming out and saying he didn't know any of this was happening. His agent had given sort of an ultimatum to the Braves and said, these are the two options. Take one of the two of these. And they weren't willing to do one. And they said, well, this you told us this is, the, this is it. We'll take one of these or not. And we're not. And so we're moving on. And so, unfortunately, this is, sounds like this is a case where nobody was talking to each other clearly. And, and Freeman and his team... They just decided to play super hardball, and they didn't leave the door open. And, you know, this is one of those things when you negotiate. Everybody yeah, here negotiates. Sounds like bad negotiation. Need a back channel. Got to have a back channel. If you say this is it, yep. then you need to be prepared for them to reject it, and yep. you need to know what's going to happen. You don't say this is it unless you're ready to get rejected and move on with your life. And it doesn't sound like Freddie Freeman was. It sounds like they negotiated like hard asses. And at the end of the day, there was probably room. They weren't far apart. They were like five million bucks apart wow. on a five-year deal. Uh, so we'll pay that more than that in taxes in California. Yeah, you know, just I guess the bottom line of this is be careful what you hear and, and read in Twitter and stuff because it sounded like the Braves didn't treat this guy right. And I'm not so sure that's how it actually went down. So, so are we just sparring? What are we doing? With well, our punch? I mean, like I said, yeah. there's there's plenty of punching to go around because on the Braves side. You know, you do have the face of a franchise and a guy who's been loyal. You know, get it done. Talk to each other. Figure it out. But hard, you know, hard asses were hard asses. And now you got, you got, that's it. He's out of uh, Atlanta. He's gone to make the Dodgers even more dominant than they already were. Uh, but but the Braves, Freddie Freeman, your manager, your, your your agent, you guys all get punched in the face this week. I mean, it, was, it was a different time, but I remember when Pudge Rodriguez was negotiating his final big contract with the Rangers and they were not able to get it done. And Pudge just himself went to management and said, I really want to get a deal done. Let's just do this. Right. Went outside of his agent because, you know, it's a different day, but these agents, I don't know what the communication is and they want to play hardball. I, I feel bad for Freddie. I love Freddie Freeman and I feel bad for him because he could have been a longtime franchise face of the Braves. Yeah. Let me just cry, cry all the way to LA though, and it's like 150. No, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. But it does sound like the agent may have uh, not had Freddie's best interests at heart. Yeah, he, just, he was all it was all about the money for the agent and not necessarily what Freddie wanted. Yeah, either that or the agent prove a point, it, right? Yeah, just blew it and, and didn't do a good job negotiating, right. like right. you said originally. So yep. uh, anyway, so that that's it. The, 
the, the Freddie Freeman camp and the Braves, you all get punched in the face for screwing up a good thing. And no, you can no longer call my Yankees the evil empire because it is now officially the Dodgers. No, no, yeah. Yankees are still evil. There's two evil empires. The, 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 the AL evil empire. Yeah. You guys have an evil World Let's Series. Let's get a score update on uh, Kansas and, and Creighton. Kansas is holding four uh, with about 10 minutes to go over Creighton. Uh, Built can, up. Can, I, can we do a to tighten up? Can we do a quick Ted Lasso NCAA, NCAA uh, yeah. version? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yourselves. Do you, do you guys know who Nathan Paris and Cassidy Cerny are? Absolutely not. That'd be a no. That'd be a negative ghost writer. Yeah, they are the new national heroes because they saved the day the other night. Oh, they are. Yes, they are. The cure. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Indiana was playing uh, St. Mary's and getting destroyed. Yes. And a ball got stuck with the backboard and the shot clock. Early in the second half, and nobody could get it. The St. Mary Center couldn't get it. They took out a mop. Everybody tried sure to get it. The ref was trying to get it with that little mop, and he couldn't even get halfway up the backboard. So out comes cheerleaders from the Indiana cheerleading team, Nathan Paris and Cassidy Cerny. And he got her up on the shoulders and reached her up, and she grabbed the basketball. And they asked her after the game, after the game how difficult was it. And she said, it wasn't hard at all. We practiced that move every Tuesday. <laughs> and I just, awesome. I just think that was a really fun part of it. Uh, I, I guarantee you Love it. that Thanks. when they do the uh, the final one shining moment, I'm pretty sure the Indiana well, cheerleaders did you hear the that. announcer? He announced her yes. move to get the ball as if it was like a buzzer-beating shot. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you haven't seen it, you got to go play the clip. Because the announcer, the broadcaster, I can't remember who it was, but I think Gus Johnson or something, but whoever it was, Really got into it yeah. and called it like a play-by-play call and said that's yeah. their one. It might have been Kevin Harlan because he loves to do that Maybe stuff. It was. So. Whoever it was, so love March Madness. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, we I'm miss you, Milk. Milk, we miss you, buddy. Uh, keep watching your March Madness games. We'll see you guys. Go heels. See ya. Bye. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? 
I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.